You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yeah. Hey, hey, happy summer, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? It's 116 here. <laughs> Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody, how's it going? And Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, everyone. Coming up on the show today, we'll see what plans a Formula One champion has in the world of sim racing. We'll look at a little-known history of karting and iRacing, and what are the worst pit roads in the sim. And in hardware, we will check out a PC build that will have you running to find one for yourself. That's right, and you can follow along with this on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see all these great topics we'll discuss by going to iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log on, and we'll see you then. So you jumped right on it. Uh, Max Verstappen is planning on, uh, I guess, a sim racing career afterwards. And he's quoted as saying, some people think it's a game, but it's not. And that's that's pretty well sums it up, right? Because we'll fuss at somebody when they call it a game. Absolutely. Now, this has got to be the most ironic video or timing of a release of a video ever, because this came out, it was on a some kind of international CNN world sport news television program. And then, uh, you know, a couple days later, apparently Max was racing on iRacing with his friends uh, over there at Redline, and they were in some kind of event, uh, forget the name of it, but he, uh, he got kind of run off the track. It was kind of accidental, it looked like, uh, but he didn't like it. And so he went after the guy and wrecked him, like totally intentionally went after him. Like he was cutting the course to get to him. And it was like reminiscent of the whole Scott Speed thing. Yeah, I, I watched it a little bit and I don't know. It's not it's not good to see. I don't like it. It uh, He doesn't need to be doing it to begin with, but uh, it's actually pretty shameful. He's a prior most... Not our most, but he's one of the highest profile guys on iRacing. And for him to be doing this kind of could, uh, we could lose some credibility to a degree. Well, especially when you, you know, have a news interview, you know, three days earlier and you say how, oh, after my career's over, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with Formula One. Of course not. I'm going to be all in on sim racing, you know. Do you think he gets suspended? I think he did. I don't think it's advertised, obviously. Um, or he got the warning. You know, he got that email. Hey, didn't better, they announce? You know, watch it. They announced it when Speed got his suspension, didn't they? Or did he just come out? They and say, did. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think it was public. So it wasn't an official race, but you can be protested and suspended in a hosted race, I believe, right? Unless the description says rule suspended. 
because like we've done races in a league that um he uh um the goal was basically to wreck each other you had a you had a everybody had a, a bunny that they were chasing on a team and then and then you had three foxes or whatever now i'm going to digress just a hair because it brought up a different issue that if you talk about it are you shaming the you know driver which is against the, the sporting code you know you can't call somebody out you know for and, and so what happened is uh, if you look in the link in the show notes, we have a forum post link and uh, that was discussing this video incident. And in like the second or third response was, Hey, by you writing this post, aren't you, you know, subject to be protested because of it? What do you guys think? And in fact, the forum post has been taken down. I don't know. I don't, the public shaming things weird. I mean, if you're suspended, who cares who knows if you're suspended? That's my my belief. It is what it is. But um, how did they uh, handle the the Kyle Larson thing? Didn't iRacing come out with a statement as well for that one? They did, yeah. So I'm assuming with the high-profile ones, um, they may, but I don't know. Well, Larson's wasn't really an orange track incident, really. I, I guess it kind of was, because he was, was in it? iRacing when it happened. Yeah, and in Simmons. But, and yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I don't. I don't really think they should necessarily. No matter who the person is, they should uh, be announcing. If if they're not going to announce it for you know just random people, they shouldn't announce it for for famous people either. It should be a one consistent rule for everybody. How would you like to actually have though a wall of shame? Maybe an extra tab on the website, a database. Yeah. You can see my whole list of chat bands. Well, I want to I want to get back real quick to um, the actual interview first, because um, you know he does make some really interesting statements. I mean, he says flat out in the, in the interview, you know, it's not. Some people think it's a game, but it's not. So he obviously thinks it's it's more than just a computer game, like like some people do that um, kind of um, dismiss uh, this hobby and and this as a as a legitimate competition or sport, if you want. Um, so. I thought it was really, uh, really good for him to put that out there. It gives it a lot more credibility among uh, people who uh, who might be listening to that interview or, or weren't really sure about about sim racing and and its um, legitimacy. I guess. Yeah, I, you know, I think Max is twenty five years old, and that's kind of what I was thinking when this kind of happened. I'm like, eh. you know, even though he's a champion and he's all this other stuff, he's still a young kid. And, you know, sometimes people make mistakes and, and we all have, and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and some of us have been protested before. And so Max probably got protested and now he did get booted from that server during the event. Like right after he did it, there was admins apparently there and they booted him on, on the spot. So maybe it was just a swift justice thing and there isn't a follow-up. So Donnie was talking about um, the restarts, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But it it had me thinking about how there's just so many, so often there's not consequences. Oh yeah, Donnie was talking about the restarts, and then you said, "Well, what about on iRacing?" And then I mentioned that well, there's never really any severe consequences for for abuse like that. You get a warning. Who knows how many times if you're laying back on the restarts? Um, they almost need some kind of more intermediate 
penalties but between warnings and bans maybe something that actually affects your stats okay or maybe a ban in just that series you know as a milder punishment yeah you 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 did a major no-no in a a open or a minor no-no in a open you can't run a open this the rest of the week yeah maybe series or car yeah another another what if suggestion i'm still wondering you know where's the where do people draw the line where you can talk about this look max verstappen is a a public figure at least in this sport and, and so that, that you know, changes your public rules to privacy. Use. Yeah, that changes his his right to certain levels of privacy because uh, because he he gets that money. Okay, and uh, the actor who played Jon Snow, I forget his name. I remember him saying on an interview, "I love the acting. I don't get paid for the acting. I get paid for having to deal with all the fame." So let me say this. So. Racing appears they draw the line on if it's on the forums, they're going to take it down. Okay. But if it's public, like in YouTube, so let's talk about YouTube. There's several videos this week, and I have them all on the script from iRacers who post YouTube videos, and they're talking about Max Verstappen and, and the incident. You know, is that enough for iRacing to punish the YouTubers because they just posted a video about it? No. Well, if it, if that was really that protestable, you couldn't broadcast a race. Sit there and say somebody caused the wreck, you know, on iRacing, then then you you're going to get protested. It's interesting for sure uh, the whole the whole scenario. All right, next up, Donnie, we have winning with style. Alex Horn posted a Twitter video of a spectacular way to take the checkered flag at Lime Rock Park. And he tweeted, in an unconventional method of taking the checkered at Lime Rock Park, however, a win is a win. So for the audio listeners, it's Lime Rock. He's coming to the checker. He spins it out on the last corner, and he spins it around backwards. He's actually rolling backwards, and then a car hits him, flying him in the air, twisting. He actually flies up and over pit road, behind pit road, as he crosses the checker uh, with the with Barney waving the flag there, he's actually behind Barney, flipping over into the the crowd. Actually, that car did not try to not hit him out either. I almost think they set this up. I think he had such a giant lead that they set it up. You think that yellow car was on the lead lap? I, I would like to know. I would. Uh, yeah. I would love to see how far ahead he was or not, because he just he 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 didn't try to dodge him at all. Pretty neat way to cross the uh, checker. Have you ever gotten wrecked at Talladega coming to the checker and then you're like down in the grass or you're backwards and you're trying to limp it to the line before everyone else does? Kind of like get out and run. Talladega could be the worst because you can clip that cone and now you're sent sent back to the end on once the race goes uh, official. So Talladega is kind of rough if you have a have to start dodging cars at the end. A little... I was going to say that second place car is probably licking his chops seeing that happening on the last turn there on that to the finish line. Yeah. A little side note if in the real <laughs> race, in the real world, if you get out and push the car, you're disqualified. So with him back on the video, we're talking about with him flying through the pits over the pits. And then it looks like he disappears. 
and resets in the pits potentially, would that almost take his win away, or is it when you cross the line? Once you cross the line, race is over. So I know they got that like what two or three minute buffer at the end of the race where you can still accrue points. You can uh, still get incidents. Incident. Yeah. He got incidents. He did get an incident from it, but his finish is good. Yeah, I guess as long as he wasn't near the DQ limit or or that. Yeah, I think I think the way that works, Donnie, is uh, you can get incident points until the last car crosses the line. I think that's how it works. Yep. I just wait and, for the 15-minute timer to go down, or to start, I should say. And he doesn't have to worry about getting close to the DQ limit. His name's not Mike. That's right. All right, um, this looks fun. Um, Brian, have you checked this one out? There's some iRacing karting. Yeah, this is actually a, a YouTube video, video from uh, DJ EJ. And man, he, he, I'm with Mike. He's really starting to become one of my favorite uh, guys to watch videos about iRacing because he, he does really good videos. He does a lot of research and, um, you know, he, he, and he makes them funny too. There, there's some really funny parts in this video. So basically it was, you know, um, um, the history of I, of karting and i racing, um, very little known. But he goes back to the original um, original version of i racing, and found that you know they had some like they had there were some kart tracks in there. Um, they had scanned a, a kart. Um, one of the kart tracks was one of the ones that was in Boston, in the Boston area, which is near where i racing is. So it would make sense that you know it was uh, all local. So apparently this was something that they actually worked on in the uh you know original version of iRacing um and uh it just didn't go too far from there there were some issues with uh you know the tire model didn't work real well with the with the with the tire model at the time i think it was based on the the size of the tires and no suspension at all in the carts like they are um and there was a, even some leaked video, which I had never heard about. Um, apparently, he he dug up a story that like um, one of the iRacing uh, uh, designers, it was disgruntled and actually leaked some video of and of, and of picture which he found of carts in iRacing, and uh, it was really really cool looking. But um, but apparently it wasn't they the models weren't really great. It didn't it wasn't up to the standard even at the time of iRacing at what they what they were at. So um, it never got released. Um, it kind of got shelved for a while. And you know there's been some thoughts and and possibility that you know the new tire model might make this uh, possibility again. You know they're better at, at scanning and. Uh, and getting a uh, better graphics on the thing so it was a really neat video if you if you're interested in karting and the the uh, his, the secret history of karting in iRacing this is something you really want to watch how does he get his information i mean he really does research like i have no idea where he gets all this information but you're right uh in fact we have three of his videos on our script today because this guy's a monster he's like cranking out content and and the other part of it is he's doing editing he's adding graphics he's putting music he's doing funny bits where he includes video from other things and and he and he puts a lot of effort into these things so like like uh brian said they're fun to well something that did make it up to the standards was the uh off-road trucks brian yeah, so uh, this past week was another race at um, Bark River for um, the off-road truck series. Um, they do um, 
they do two basic races in the same uh, day. So there's actually two winners of the week. Uh, Joel Blewett um, is the winner for the first race. We lost. Are you happy? Sorry about that. So uh, Parker Retzlaff uh, won the second race at Bark River. So um, he's uh, he's apparently uh, doing a lot of different types of racing as well. Yeah, I'm noticing the sim coaches. Of... Sorry, guy, the sim coaches sponsored um, truck is leading the points. Keaton Swain. Yeah, I'm such a fan of Parker and, and how you know he's doing real racing. He's doing sim racing. He's doing it all, and and uh, you know he's getting it done. Too. I know we made fun of the Fox cartoon headshots for real life racing, but NBC does some of the drivers dirty and Parker's one of them. I don't know if you've noticed his mugshot on NBC during the ticker, but it looks, looks like he needs a new one. <laughs> well, next question is, do these tracks, Donnie need new pit roads? Uh, some do. I was going through it. Um, a lot of dirt tracks he has on here, but again, DJ EJ posted a video this week of what he considers the wildest pit roads in iRacing. And number one's kind of weird for me. It's it's Lernerville. Lernerville. It's the, the dirt track oval, and you have to exit the track via I think turn three potentially. Um, don't quote me on that. And then essentially Baja off into the the dirt and then into your pit lane. I'm curious how accurate that is because there's no way you're accessing that pit road at speed. No, and I think I think he said in the video that's not uh, exactly how uh, Lernerville is. But yeah, I mean it's like a, it's like a launch ramp trying to get off turn three because you're you're in a bowl basically with a you know pretty high bank track. And you have to leave once once you get off of the um, the bank, it drops back off. So it's like a ramp. Um, it's pretty fun, actually. I've I've messed around with Lernerville because the whole backside of the track, um, there's no fence at all. So you know, if you want to have some fun, you can take your sprint car into turn two and see how far you can launch it in the air. I've done that a few times. If they could put some put a field out there, you could actually do a eye mudding. Yeah, turning into an off-road race. Number three, Oxford Plains ones is pretty weird as well. A lot of these are small tracks, dirt tracks, stuff where you wouldn't really need to pit during a race in reality. But, you know, he's looking at it anyway because obviously they have – iRacing does need to build pits in even if it is, you know, a, a dirt track where you they don't intend you, you know, to pit. I was looking at Berlin uh, the other couple of weeks ago. Uh, Arca went there, and their pit road is is wild. It doesn't make any sense. It's a short track, and it probably doesn't take uh, the big series there that often. But SRX will be there, I believe, this season. And I'm curious if we ever get Berlin on iRacing, what that pit road's going to be like, because it's, it's kind of weird. You enter, I think, off a of turn two, maybe, and you just make a hard left down the middle of the, the facility. Um, it doesn't have a traditional pit lane that goes across the front stretch. I don't know if we still have it, but there was a Phoenix road course within the oval at one point. And I don't know if it was rally or what, but you had to like go down to this where the semi truck was and basically take a hard left around this wall uh, to get out of there. It was crazy. I kind of thought I was going to see that that track I just spoke of on his on his video, but no, he covered a bunch of them, but that wasn't on the list. Hey, Mike, hold your button down a little bit longer when you're finishing your uh, 
uh, you're cutting off your last word. It seems like so. All right. Okay. The next up is a quick hit. I'll take this one. Uh, what's your fave track voting for each series is now open on the iRacing forum. So you can get involved in deciding. So basically there are community managers for all the series, essentially on the forums that are kind of volunteers and they'll throw up a poll. They get, they vote on a bunch of tracks and then they throw together a schedule and as much as they can, they, they, they will make some of the schedules be lined up with real life. So your A open almost always follows the NASCAR season, except for the off weeks. Uh, IMS is the same way. Usually they are pretty smart to have it the same time as the special race. If there's the spa or the 24 or the Daytona or anything like that. So if you want to have a little bit of say on, on what tracks are ending up on there, it's interesting. I'm, I was thinking how I kind of miss uh, Laguna Seca, not Laguna Seca. Well, I haven't been on Laguna Seca or Lime Rock in forever uh, because Emerson never goes there. So um, I'd like that. I would, I hope that might happen, but they've been going to all the new European tracks every, every season. How exactly do you navigate to the voting part of it? Because it just takes me to the form. Do I go to the ovals? You'll go to you'll go down to oval racing or road racing, and then go and then look for the series for for each forum. There's a there's a there's a sub section for every series. Yeah, Justin. So I'm in the GT4 forum right now, and a staffer will post. Um, usually, there's a staffer related to each type of racing. Um, and they'll post a schedule template of what you want to input. And then you submit that, that schedule, your schedule, and that's your way of voting. And then they take the, um, I'm assuming they take the, the highest vote getters or for lack of a better word. And then they put a schedule together. And with this particular one, it's, they've got it pretty well dialed in and they've got like seasons in the future forecasted of what they're most likely going to be. So some series are pretty well squared away on, on their future scheduling. Now, kind of going off of David, now, I only, I mainly run A Open, so I assume the series will stay the same all season, and and this is only applies for, like, the off weeks. Yeah, you're not going to be able to vote out Pocono or or Indi- uh, Indiana race, whatever, blah, 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 that road course is. Good, because I was kind of disappointed when I seen this. I was like, don't mess with the schedule. No, they... Um, they'll they'll work it around now i know on all-star week they did uh it it also depends how the the week 13 falls because like with sonoma week 13 fell when they when nascar was racing uh but so they ran sonoma in a open either the week before or the week after because there was an off week in there so they just went ahead and ran sonoma so if they can, if they'll they'll try to make sure they get all the tracks that are that are actually raced in. I'd like to find it. I can't. I've been trying to find the last couple of minutes, but I thought I read a forum post at the beginning of the year saying that iRacing may start shifting the schedules to line up with the calendar year to get season one to start in January as opposed to December. Have you guys heard anything about that? If they wanted to, the only really way to do it is, I guess, extend out season four, make it longer than typical 12-week schedule. Why do they start it in December? Because it's just evenly split um, 13 weeks times four, basically. So I guess they could shift the whole thing, you know, to like you said, so it starts at the beginning of the calendar year. Who knows? It may just have, have a legacy from when they started the first season, and it happened to be 
uh, not on a multiple of three months. What day did they start, right? And they, ever since then, it's been, because they're doing these 12-week software development cycles, which is common in software development, guys. So that's probably what drives it. And then the week 13 is your build week, which means you're going to put it out, you're going to fix bugs, and hopefully everything will go good. I will say this: I don't think January is the best time to have a to have a build drive, considering everybody's on holiday. That's true. That could be another aspect of why they start in December. Um, I think when I first started, my first season was fourteen weeks because of leap year, or the end of my first season, I should say. I kind of remember that. Woo, Mike. No, actually, I got the wrong name. Woo, Brian. <laughs> That's right. Uh, World of Outlaws Late Models presented by Butt Kicker. Week two. Um, those guys were at um, Fairbury Speedway on Monday night. Um, that's a little tight little um, bull ring type of track. Um, wide though, so you do get some good uh, side by side and different lines going at a Fairbury Speedway. Um, Blake Majulis won the uh, pole position for um, for uh, the first heat and won that race, so he took the pole for the feature. Um, Evan C, who won last week in this uh, series uh, points leader, he finished uh, third in the qualifying, but and won his heat, which was heat three. So he started in third place. Um, and those two guys really kind of ran away with the, uh, ran away with this one. Um, it was a 50, 50 lap feature and, uh, they had four cautions fairly early in the race. But, uh, once, once we had some green flag flag laps, um, Blake Majulis and, uh, was just uh, leading the way with uh, Evan C trying to run him down. Um, those guys are actually teammates, so you saw a lot of clean racing, no nothing super aggressive. But Blake Majulis was able to hold off Evan C to get the win. Um, Evan C finishes second, uh, which of course keeps him in the points lead uh, over Blake Majulis in second. Kendall Tucker in third. So uh, another solid week for Evan C. And if you really, if you go back to last week, he's finished first or second in every race for one full season and two of the next season. So still just dominating, even though uh, Blake shows some real speed and, and could be a threat in this series if, if uh, he gets uh, some good runs in and maybe Evan runs into some bad luck. So uh, look forward to some more really good race. And these guys are putting on a good show. Sounds great. I need to not miss this race and see what see what the fuss is all about. Yep, and just like anybody else, if you want to watch the replays, they are available on iRacing's YouTube channel. You can watch any of these replays, and they they put on some really good shows in these late models. I'm not. I wasn't going into dirt when when iRacing came with dirt. I wasn't a big fan of the late model racing. I was more of a sprint car fan, but. Um, Watching these guys in the in the late models is really a lot of fun because they, they put on some good racing. You can beat and bang a little bit because, uh, you know, you have fenders on the car. Um, really good racing in this series. Hey, Justin, uh, you wouldn't have to have a twin brother, would you? Uh, no, no, David. Uh, well, why don't you tell us about Twin Ring Sensei? Yeah, uh, Nick Nibon uh, proposes a series uh, at the Twin Ring with all different types of cars. Ooh. Yeah, he's kind of playing yeah. off of the new um, series with the Nurburgring, where you know it's the same track every week and a different car for for twelve weeks. And he was proposing maybe a twin twin ring being a version of that for uh, for oval cars. 
I dig it. I'd join. This track like Gateway, but like twice as big. There are leagues that do this already, like particularly for plate tracks. There are some leagues that literally only run Daytona and and uh, Dega. I love this. I, the last time I watched a race at this track, it was Greg, our teammate. Greg Hectus was racing in some kind of event. I, I forget what exactly it was, or some special event. And uh, it has good racing there for sure. I, I remember the track well, but we never run it. And so this is a great idea. I, I really like it. Um, I like the road version at the ring. But this is great because I'm an oval driver and I look at this list of cars that he's proposing uh, week one through 12. Let's go through it. Next gen first week. Heck yeah. Arca, the IRO one jet car on week three Xfinity 87s. Then the IndyCar, the trucks, uh, the car of tomorrow, Silver Crown, Gen 4, Gen 6, and finally Legacy Truck. I think they're missing the sprint car on there. What do you think, Mike? Well, Silver Crown is pretty close. I'm surprised they haven't actually done this with the iRacing Super Speedway, now that I, I'm thinking about it and listening. Yeah, I, I like this idea. I'm not sure if Twin Ring would be my choice of track for it. Um, I'm not even sure if I would want to do this with a Super Speedway. I think I'd like to do this with a little smaller track. Um that you know you get a little bit of off throttle time in i'd have to agree with you brian uh that's why i asked if this was like gateway because i had no luck with that track i just got ran over every turn especially one and two pretty neat idea maybe something that's a little odd like pocono how about pocono it's a big enough track you know you get some high speeds in there with some of the faster cars you're still braking um it's not a traditional oval track um i don't know that's just a thought the problem with the roads the roadside is you know the ringmeister you know it's because it's the ring it's like you know when you think of road tracks the ring has a special place for in most people's heart just because of the length of it. And it's such a challenge. And, and, and most people, when they get in a road car to try it, that's the one track they go to and test, you know? So I just think that's, that's a big draw just because, you know, it's what I call a, a name. Uh, so when we do th this on the oval side, we need a name. We need a, we need a track people know, not like, you know, twin, Twin Ring Motegi. Darlington. Darlington. Indianapolis. Yeah. Have you ran Ringmeister yet, Mike? Uh yeah, I ran the GR eighty six and I got embarrassed in Iraq. It was uh not just ourselves, but I'm finding like uh I don't know if it's just pulling everybody to the to the series, but there's just a lot of crazy etiquette involved with that series and that track that uh it's kind of frustrating. A lot of newbies, maybe that shouldn't be there, kind of thing. Yeah, like me <laughs> trying, trying to pass every corner when there's going to be like a seven mile backstretch. You can you can overtake me then. But there is the you can't really say that it's lap one when the race probably only has three laps. It's turn one, turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four. They're they're all trying to get it. All right, we can all chime in on this next one. I'll kind of introduce it. Uh, we've talked about something like this in the past. Matt Wise has asked 
for JATGTP's help in organizing an iRacing convention. And I guess this is all suggestions that that uh, ChatGTP said you would have to think about. So we don't have to go into all those details. You can you can look at that through our link on the forums. But it is interesting, and I think our biggest concern is put it in the U.S. North yeah. America. Yeah, if iRacing puts a convention together, definitely will most likely, I think, be in the Northeast um, and definitely in the U.S., being a U.S.-based um, company. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if iRacing's big enough to hold a, themselves to hold a convention, but obviously we have sim racing conventions overseas, but we definitely need one on this side of the pond. We can have it in Charlotte in partnership with NASCAR. That'd be involve great, the too. Hall, Involve the Hall of Fame. We'll do the pod live at the convention. That I, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. I will go and do a show if they have one. I kind of know how these conventions work in various industries. Uh, you have a company that puts on conventions. And then to make money, they, they target a particular industry. And then they basically get enough people to sign up for boosts that they can pull it off, you know. And so I've seen this in digital signage, and I think that's how they're doing this Sim Racing Expo over in Europe. It's the same kind of business concept where uh, a company is just putting on the expo, and then they're making, you know, they're they're the ones selling the booths and making sure the the hardware manufacturers show up because they're the ones who really make this happen. Uh, I don't know if iRacing is the one who initiate a convention in the United States, but. Uh, you know, I think it's driven by the hardware manufacturers and, and the money that, because they're the ones who want to get in front of the people, you know, show off and, and showcase their product. Uh, you know, iRacing is just going to be another booth at the convention. That's if it goes sim racing. Now, we have conventions for, for music all the time. In fact, that's where I'm going to be next week. Uh, I'll be at a band director's convention. We had where all of the different instrument vendors and instrument repair shops and fundraising companies buy booths, right? And and they try to smooze us up and get us to, to buy their products. Um they they're the funding, but it's still organized by band directors. All the all it's because it's also a conference, and so there's a lot of uh, um, classes, in service type meetings and stuff, seminars that happen as well. So so it, I guess it, at least for non commercial conventions, they still are commercial. But um, so it could be organized by iRacing, but they're going to need to get probably. Pretty much every sim racing manufacturer involved. Yeah, they could they could be the flagship. They could be the promoter. You're going to have a another organization come in and actually run the day to day portion of the convention, like uh, security, all that stuff, the badge checking and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's crazy. Comic Cons this weekend. This is uh, one of the first years. Well, we haven't been in a couple years, but we used to go every year, and now it's just way too crazy. I won't even attempt to go anymore. In the forum post, Robert Barris remind us, reminds us about iraceforlife.org 2016 iRacing Seminar in Dallas, Texas. I remember talking about this on our show, uh, but but that was a pretty neat get-together. Uh, they, they brought together several rigs and maybe 50 people, I think it was, and they had like seminars on how to iRace and how to race and 
and it was about everything i racing it was pretty cool i think it was like a week long and uh dallas texas and yeah i mean that's kind of what we're talking about maybe we get something like that going again that's a little different than the expo all right so i'm looking at the events section have we already missed spa i thought that was coming up still tomorrow yeah it starts this weekend okay so that's coming up at we don't have any of the details pulled up. We covered that last week, but also Justin, we've got the the race for more that we talked about a few times. Yeah, David, iRacing presents the race for more 2.4 benefiting the National MS Society on August 3rd. Uh, it's the first time hearing about it. It's because you haven't been here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before, but um, it's, a, it's a really good race. And benefit, benefiting the MS National MS Society, so um, all the it's it's for a great cause, obviously. And I always like to bring this up because it's the, always the race where uh, Greg West will spill some secrets for donations. So keep we'll keep an eye out for this when it comes up and uh, see if we get any 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 um, spoilers for future builds from uh, Greg. We're two weeks out right now it's on a thursday night okay you wouldn't think of that but yeah it's a thursday night august 3rd if you're available try to get involved uh pretty neat thing i would suspect uh after this weekend we'll start getting some of the some more you know uh, information about this maybe some more uh, tidbits as they release stuff about you know upcoming uh stuff like they did in the previous year podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it we are on discord get over there and i would have asked you guys to try one of these things we're going to be talking about in hardware software get involved or check the uh, website iracerslounge.com for the show notes and we are in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. All right, Brian, how did it go with Fantasy? Uh, so uh, NASCAR had new Hampshire Motor Speedway this week. Um, and the winner of the week turned out to be none other than me. I won. Whoa, well done. <laughs> check that out. Uh, I, got, I had... Um, I just went to check and see because I don't even remember who I picked. You know, I was shocked as anybody when I saw in the chat that I won the week. I was like, who the heck did I pick? I don't even remember. Um, but I had uh, first, second, sixth, and seventh, I think it was. And then I had Christopher Bell who finished way down. Um, so pretty decent. I had 230 points for the week. GI Jojo 24X finished second. And Tony the Tiger, Tony Rochette, good job from him, finished third. Yeah, Bill and Blaney screwed me, so I was up there. I think I won stage one, but those two guys really took it out of me. I think Bell got a lot of people. Well, I had Bell, and I won. So if he would have done really well, I, I probably still would have won. I just put up better points, I guess. I had Byron, too, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it was that contact on pit road, but he uh, never went back up front. All right. Who do you guys like next week? I like the Reddick. Yes. I think Walkless Glenn and Pocono is Chase's only chance. 
Well, you got those wildcard speedways, but I'm not sure if I'm going to pull the trigger too hard on the new guys coming in for this particular racetrack because turn one is such a variable um, that it almost presents a restrictor type feel to it because anything can happen in that terribly designed turn one at Indy. So, wait, Pocono this week. Never mind. I apologize. <laughs> I was going to say Blaney for Pocono. Yeah, I was thinking a week ahead. Blaney's good. Harvick, Truex. In some weird ways, Pocono almost behaves like Atlanta, except you can get a little bit of separation. But the draft is just still still so gigantic. Now, does the 42 car blow up his brakes again in Pocono? Because that's a good track to do it at. It's not a turn once. I mean, he blew him again this weekend, so I'm curious what they're going to do for Pocono for him. Do you think that's an equipment thing or a Noah thing? They've been struggling. They could just be doing something wrong internally, not putting the cars together right. Who knows? So if we go over the uh, overall league standings, we still have uh, Canadian in first place, uh, Team Duan in second, Trick Dickel in third, North South Racing in fourth, and Res Dog in fifth. Um, and I think uh, Tony Gross is in tenth, and I, th I don't see it on the list, but... Uh, Donnie, oh, there he is. Donnie Spiker, 12th place. So he's he's uh, rising in the points. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 Five years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's talk some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. We're going to open it up with the Cube Controls SP01 pedals. Um, these have been, are they just now being released? What's what's going on now, Mike? Uh, sale, 10% off. Uh, uh, so if you're interested in these, now is a good time. Uh, don't know how many they've sold, but uh, they're putting them on sale now to try to get some more. Then they have a couple of other products on sale as well, or at least they did last week because we were going to cover it last week. Um, it says here in the post the pedals and the sim racing socks. So <laughs> now these are 989 euros for a throttle and a brake and their load cell. Would they look nice for these over. You know, what do they compare to? Heiskenvelds? How much do the Heisks run? I bought mine for 1100 after discount. Okay. Yours come with a clutch or just two pedals? Clutch. But mine's not base hydraulic. Plate. Yeah, neither of these. Okay. Yeah, mine came with a base plate also. I don't think these have a base plate with them. Did yours come with a heel plate as well? No, because I use my cockpit's heel plate. All right, this one is pretty neat looking. This might be a competitor for one of the uh, nicest button boxes, particularly if you like the, the sports car side of things. Um, we have a, the EP Lab 296 Pro, and it's basically almost designed to look like the console on a stock car. It's got a row of 4x4 four four buttons, uh, start buttons, uh, four 
safety toggles, and I guess that middle is a knob. Is that a like fan a... at the bottom? What is? I, I was just going to ask that. It looks like the brake bias knob up top. But I'm curious if that's an actual fan. That would be nice if it was. I don't think so. So, um, Dave, this is actually supposed to be modeled after the GT3 Ferrari. Um, and it's kind of funny how they put it. They, you can tell they don't have a Ferrari um, a license because it says that it's dedicated to the to the very famous Italian car manufacturer. <laughs> but it's, it is a, it's supposed to look like the um, GT3 Ferrari. Yeah, and it'd be right there below your where your car stereo would be in, the, in that console area. So the features do say fan, but it's only for aesthetics. Why? Because that's what's it looks cool. Ferrari, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to jump back in, in the Ferrari and iRacing and look for the fan. Now, the price, holy cow, 529 euros. And it, yeah. doesn't even have, it doesn't even have the sticker on it. We're a fan. So are you saying, Brian, if the fan was on there, it would be worth it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it'll, blow your, it'll blow on your knees, I guess. Now, now scroll not- down on the page and, and look at the pictures below with it lit up. It looks pretty bomb. I actually like the look of it a lot. The layout's nice. It's symmetrical. I like things to be in place. I I don't hate the way this thing looks. Now, the price is a little crazy, but... High-end. It's a high-end button box, for sure. What do we have next, Brian? Another button box. This one from Sim Engineering. It's called the 911 BB button box. So it's a Porsche replica this time. So we're moving from a Ferrari to Porsche. Um, and this is a big one. Um, it's got a bunch of toggle switches, um, rotary dials, um, and it's kind of like V-shaped from top to bottom. It's not real wide, um, but it's tall and narrow. So I guess that's what the, the Porsche 911 GT3 cup looks like. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty decent looking box, pretty thick. So, um, and it looks like, uh, it mounts fairly easily from the back. It's kind of hard to tell, which is always an issue with button boxes. Is this the one that comes from DSD? Because I know they have one that's in the similar shape. No, it's not. No. The Sim Engineering? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Sim Engineering. Yeah, so there's several versions of, of this out there because the shape looks really familiar if you've been covering hardware long enough now. It's big. <laughs> I like the big. If I had to pick, I like the other one, though, that we the first one we looked at. All right, do we have a replacement for track IR? Is that what I'm looking at here next? This is crazy. Uh, it's basically an Android app that does head tracking, and the Sim Racing Corner has a YouTube video showing you exactly how it all works. What's the purpose now, for it? Well, it's like the track IR. Uh, I guess, David, why don't you tell us what do you think about that? Well, track IR was, uh, I think Greg used to use one, uh, is something in a lot of, uh, flight sim player players like to use it as well. It's basically something that would use probably, I think infrared cameras or some kind of tracking to track your head movement so that you could actually look with your, in different directions and it would move, move with your monitor. Um, Whereas, you know, VR kind of does the same thing. And this looks like this is basically accomplishing the same thing, either visually or with the gyroscope. I'm not sure. But it's it's basically allowing him to look in different places of the car. 
It's interesting because it looks like he has his phone or whatever device he has mounted directly in front of him up above the screen a little. And uh, gosh, uh, would this would this work with triples? Yeah, so I think I think the phone is using the phone camera to track your head position. It sounds like on this one. So it's probably, yeah, just actually following your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Just like those apps that make you look like a like a lion or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like the idea. Looking at his video, though, is he on an ultra wide or I, I can't see if he's got bezel uh, hiding kits in there or not, but it's a it's a wide monitor if so. But I don't know. I don't I don't hate this. This is actually kind of cool. But can you turn your head in a race car, though? Not for real. Yeah, that's what I thought. You're right. Yes. No, we can't. You can't. Uh, I've had a Hans device on. Yeah, you, you get about this much motion. That's it. I'm chicken to try something like this. I, I, I just don't need it. So I'm just like, nah. But, I you know, there's people out here that might want to try it. Pretty neat. And, and it could be an inexpensive way of trying because you just get an Android app on your Android phone. And yet there's software that he's downloading and installing here as well that goes with it, that goes on the computer. Uh, that obviously interfaces with the phone. All right, I'm going to come up with a catchphrase for this next one, Donnie. Race long and prosper. Yeah, I think we've covered this one before after looking at the silhouette. But ProDrive Racing Simulator was conceived with the DNA of ProDrive's real-world motorsport heritage combined with the craftsmanship of the fine interiors from the world's finest mega yachts to create a sculptural statement piece. When you guys sit in your rig and you're enjoying yourself and you spend a ton of money on it, are you thinking mega yacht? I'm not sure I am. <laughs> I might be thinking how many megawatts I'm burning. I mean, uh, the design looks like a design. I'll say that, but I, I don't know. It's nothing I think about when I think about a, a sim racing cockpit. It, it looks like a Star Trek insignia laying on its side. It sure does, doesn't it? It does, yep. I thought the monitor's too small, too. You can't get a big enough monitor in there. Maybe VR would be better for this. I mean, I know, I know some people really are more into the aesthetic, but you just can't beat the 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 functionality and flexibility that you get with an 8020 rig. So we cover these, but I, I'll just never recommend them. Yeah, they're more, and I always go back to, they're, they're more for if you own a business, in my opinion, if you own a business or something, you want to put something cool looking in your lobby or, yeah, it's not a practical rig in my opinion if you're doing this nightly or or as as a hobbyist. I don't, I don't see anybody cruising around in that rig. If you're a vendor kind of showing it off, I think it would be cool. Yeah. And it's the lay down. And that is wood, right? That frame is made out of wood, I believe. Bent wood. The whole the whole part of having a roof or something over your head just seems like silly. I don't Yeah, if it's not that seventeen car we saw from a few years ago, yeah, I don't want a roof over my head. Now don't forget the the roof over your head if you're doing ambient lighting. That's less silly. Much less silly. All right, Mike, we have a handbrake. We have the Carl Gosling reviews the Mecca Evo handbrake. Now, if you recall, a few weeks ago, he put out a review video of their sequential shifter. And uh, he liked it, and it went well, so they sent him the handbrake. And uh, 
he likes it. I mean, he likes the fit and finish. He likes the really long handle. There's no flex. Just like the uh, sequential, it's a monster to try to mount. It it doesn't have good mounting options. Um, but if you can get it mounted, yeah, he likes it. I was thinking about a handbrake last week, actually. I was like, do I need one? Do I want one? Where would I put it? Would I want it to match my sequential shifter? Because uh, the company that makes my sequential shifter, they have a handbrake as well. And so I thought, oh, it'd be cool to have, you know, matching handbrake. But I don't know if I would use it. Isn't the word that the rally racers don't really even use them on iRacing? Right. We heard from, directly from Mitchell DeYoung once. And who's one of the fastest in rally. And he's like, honestly, it slows you down. You, you're better off not touching. So is that like a, a damnation on iRacing's physics when it comes to that? Because I'm pretty sure the guys in the real world use their handbrakes. Could be. I mean, they're going to town on those things. Shifting, using their handbrake, doing all sorts of stuff. Maybe it was his driving style. I don't it's know. Not, yeah, he's obviously an alien because I've tried to drive those things without using a handbrake and I can't get around a corner. I'm sure with enough time and practice, you can figure it out. But And obviously he has it, but I every time I get one of those cars, I have to use a handbrake to get the car to go around. I think I'll, I'll get one eventually. I think I do want to get the matching handbrake uh, from the Russia guy. But, you know, that'll be a long-term down-the-road kind of thing after I get everything else. <laughs> Heal, Brian. Heal. You know I'm right, though. Uh, yeah. If there was a behind-the-show show, that would be a good one. Um, but Heal, seriously. Tell us about it. Oh, boy. So next up, for all of your heel rest needs, Pro Sim Rig offers their universal heel rest, um, soon to be available in the worldwide markets. Um, works with the 80-20 rigs. Um, it's just a, a, a extra wide, a, a three wide uh, set of um, 80-20 profiles with just a solid plates uh, attached to it so um if you have uh, pedals and you don't have a good heel plate for it this might be the answer you're looking for yeah pretty straightforward pretty simple pretty lean you guys ever look at the bottom of your shoes after time and see what damage you've done to them or your wear patterns i should say mine are pretty worn out and i've shown uh, i don't know if i showed it to y'all but i know i definitely showed it to lawrence uh the the rubber marks on my brakes and throttle there they have there's it's scarred it's like literally it looks like i guess like a racetrack does after it's taken on rubber yeah, i've noticed with the machined aluminum like this if you get any debris and i'm not saying this is your case but any debris on that surface or in inside any of the joints and it rubs it's going to groove it but i got the the converse slip-ons and it's like that got that gummy tactile feeling on the bottom so i don't i don't have nothing on my pedal surface i use i you are we just wearing my same shoes that i lift in they're just kind of flat lifting shoes main reason i have a mix is they're slip-ons and because i hate tying or or constantly having to retie shoes yada 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 yeah slip-ons are the way to go can't do socks those guys are animals not with those pedals and you know why I was I'm barefoot right now, so I'm just playing with the pedals as we're talking, and my brake foot is is getting a little tender. Um, 
I just can't wear socks without shoes anyway. It just feels weird if my feet get dry and then I got a sock on. I don't know. All right. Next up is an update from Heiskenfield Engineering. Uh, they have released a new firmware update, and it features the ability to run Smart Control Live, which which is compatible with all their uh, products, I guess. The Sprint, the Ultimate Plus, and the Handbrake. It also is supposed to speed up some of the electronics by quite a bit. We tried it out yet, Justin? This one's for you. Uh, no, not yet. I'm actually just finding out about it, and I've seen if I got it updated or not. Um, I'm trying to figure out the version. Well, there's a link there in the description of the Instagram that you can click for the uh, smart control live. Do you guys mess with your pedal settings a lot? Uh, Maybe. I have defaults now that I, I switch back and forth depending on if I'm a sports car or the stock car. If I'm in the stock car, it has a curve to it so that it's more sensitive at the top and less sensitive in the middle basically which gives me a, a more fine-tuned control when i'm on the edge of spinning out um don't need that in a sports car they have traction control yeah the sports car is basically a straight plane for the most part but i'm a nerd justin i have a book next to my rig that i have for every car for every track and sometimes for the cup car, I'll ha I'll deviate a certain throttle input, um, depending on not not too much, but mainly what David said is what I use. But there are times I have to adjust for the track if I'm using too much throttle off corner. But but yeah, I mean for the most part, they're yeah I say I'm messing around with them a little bit. Now at road courses, I actually switch it. No, at road courses I leave the I'll, I'll make it flat. Just nice, nice option to have. That's for sure. Like the only thing I've ever messed with is I can put a little like a. I think I put like a five percent delay when I press brake pedal, so I can get to the stiffer part and get more control. Yeah, usually I set mine when I'm I'm resting on them. Then I'll click them, I'll reset them at zero there. That way, the rest doesn't usually have a problem with it. All right, uh, Mike, you might take this one. I, don't you have four corners on your butt kickers, or no? You just run two. Um, I think I know Joe has four corners, but we've got a video about slip angle butt kickers. Yeah, we got Carl Gosling uh, again posting up a video. This time, uh, if you recall, a few weeks ago, he put up a video of the uh, base shaker kit that you can buy that puts it on all four corners. And I think it was $500 for the whole kit. The amps, the cables, the base shakers, the little mounts, the little rubber feet things with the springs on them, all these different things. And it was pretty cool. And he liked it. So ever since then, uh, Butt Kicker contacted Carl and said, hey, we would like you to test our stuff, you know, as a comparison to that product. And so sure enough, uh, they sent him uh, four Gamer Pluses. He uh, wired them up, hooked them up, ran them. Um, basically, at the end of the day, they accomplished the same thing. They, you know, they both worked. They both did a great job. I think he liked the slip angle one a little bit better. Uh, but it really boiled down to cost. I mean, uh, the cost for the butt kickers was quite a bit more. I think uh, they're approaching 280 a piece, and there's four of them. 
So yeah, do the math. Uh, so it's almost double uh or or double you know what the other uh kit costs and so at the end of the video he basically said uh go with the slip angle shaker kit if you're gonna do it yeah i'm looking at it you can one option for 12.99 on sale right now and then also 1099 so the pro for 12.99 and the plus for 1099 i haven't gotten into half picks yet um how much will that impact my power supply if I were to decide to go with four units, well, well you're they, plugging they draw their into power an amp. From the wall. Yeah, they draw yeah, their you're power plugging the into power. Oh, okay. They're they're you know wattage of power. They're not they're not little headphone speakers. They they a PC could not power them. Okay, that makes sense. Um, the, doesn't the amp goes here to, to the PC though, right? Yeah, it just has a an input that's usually an audio type. Audio. Jack. Okay. All right, that makes sense. My newest one has a USB uh, instead of audio, just a USB cord that goes into the computer with the buck kicker haptic software. Now, in my opinion, after doing what I did, which take the buck kicker plus and stick it to the bottom of my butt, literally, you know, an inch away from my butthole, uh, title idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but literally it kicks you in the butt what is the name of it it's a butt kicker so literally let it kick you in the butt I, having it that close is very effective it's very effective kind of like a, a vibrating thing right near your butt well i'm running a lot of rpm kind of uh engine vibration stuff through it and that's the reason i kind of have two is i run a lot of the vibration stuff through the the one under the butt and then all the other stuff through the second one that's attached to the rig we almost made it to 400 <laughs> now the, the butt kicker is actually really valuable I, I don't have mine quite mounted directly to the seat but it's it's on the back uh outer frame and I can I can definitely feel it. I've got the gigantic one, and um, it's been really helpful with Pocono because I can I can feel the car. It, it starts when it starts vibrating. It means I'm tight, and that means I'm about to snap loose. Now, now I've heard this from our our teammate Steve Thompson, and and we've heard it from others, and even Carl Gosling. There's a value to having four of them, to, to having one on each corner because you can program it you know front left front right rear rear left and so on and and that way you you feel what david just described but you feel it in the co which corner of the car are you feeling it and you can really dial it in where you're seeing you're feeling it on the left or the left rear you know? yeah because you could probably dial up i exaggerate the tire slip on the on the balance settings so it tells it basically along with changing my audio settings where I can hear the tires louder. It tells me when the tires are sliding to compensate for the fact that you don't actually have the seat of the pants fill. Mike was the Carl Gosling fellow. Was he referring to the slip angle that that piece we've put on here before? Right. It had a, a flat plate with a transducer and it had like right. a rubber piece with a spring. Okay. So I'm ignorant to haptics and that's my next step. I want to do that. I'm, I've looked at this company. We've talked about it quite a bit. We've had positive reviews, not us, but the, the, the people we've, we've discussed review it. And then this guy as well. So I like the idea of trying this and then having that fifth 
or a fifth haptic being a butt kicker either behind or under my seat. Ooh, best of both worlds. Well, I think we need to mosey on over to the Mosey Experience Center, Justin. Yeah, the Mosey the Moza Experience Center is a website where you can get all of your Moza products. So is this just kind of like a vendor list for them? It's a place where you can go and try their equipment, actually. And so they literally have a list. Uh, you pick your continent, so I'll hit North America. And there's uh, Six Sigma, Sigma Sim Racing in Ontario. There's Advanced Sim Racing in Quebec. There's Axon Sim Center in Richmond, British Columbia. And there's also an Axon in uh, Burnaby, British Columbia. A few others, Ontario, and there's Podium One, Franklin, Tennessee. We'll talk about them later in the show. And then WR1 in Muskogee, Oklahoma. So we've talked about this before where people uh, are looking for a place to try uh, sim racing, you know, to see if they want to try it before they buy it. Well, here you go. Uh, we just listed off some places for you. I'll buy that plane ticket tomorrow. Now I'll do a follow-up story on the guy who uh, I invited over to try iRacing. Uh, last text I got from him is uh, he was asking me about how to put a computer together. And I sent him a video to Linus Tech Tips and uh, told him, go for it. You ain't going to mess it up. So Donnie, have you ever had your PC just bothering me so much, bothering you so much that you had to go shoot PC, shoot PC? I didn't think this was real. And I still don't think it's real, but apparently tech testers have a video of a PC that looks like an athletic shoe. It looks exactly like a shoe, um, down to the shape of the tongue to everything. Uh, but yeah, they built a PC in the shape of a shoe. It is real. It, uh, now what I was like, wow, this is kind of neat. Maybe I'm interested in something oddball like this, but then one of the, the cons that the lady didn't like about it was, if you need to plug in a USB, you actually have to take it apart. You have to take off one of the panels just to get to where the USBs are. And so that kind of that kind of like, well, uh, that's a deal killer right there. Can I hook up like 14 USB devices to it? It only had a few. It didn't have a lot, but uh, but there are some. I mean, it's cool. It's artistic. It's somebody built this. Um, it looks cool, but yeah, I don't know how practical it could be other than being an art piece of, of some sort. Unless it's one of the early stages of AI and that's just the right foot of one of those Terminator machines about to kill us in a hundred years. I definitely get transformer vibes off of it. Right. Like it'll transform into something. I've always this had this dream of building a computer in an unorthodox way, like like this, like not just a you know rectangle box. You're I, next, would be, I would much rather have the fish tank. Yeah, I was gonna say, Mike, your your next PC better be in a fish tank. The mineral oil stuff, where everything's in liquid. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's take it or go ahead. I was going to say this is, but this is not just like a, a one-off type of thing. You can buy this. I think she said it was like 3,300 euros, um, whatever that comes to. I think it's fairly close um, um, transition, but yeah, this is not like some, a one-off type of artistic thing. You can actually buy this sneaker X uh, shoe. So it's pretty crazy. I'll bet though that 
that 3300 you get the same thing in a plain case and it's going to be a lot cheaper for the yeah. specs oh you're you're definitely probably paying for the the um just the design more than probably what's in it well i mean people spend a lot of money for for real shoes so that's the thing if you had a big uh you know jordan collection nike jordans or something uh maybe you'd be into this and the lady even said hey the the metal pieces that are all red those can be all unscrewed and taken apart and then powder coated you could cut you know do them any color you want now if they had a shoe company like jordan brand to license it obviously you'd pay a lot more of it and then then they're probably going to move some units on that they can sponsor a race and make that the trophy all right let's jump back to the conventional side of things brian motion house wind sim yeah, we got the uh, Motion House Wind Simulator. Um, it's coming in at three hundred and twenty-five dollars. Um, two two fans on this thing, um, and uh, the control box. I don't. Doesn't look like it, it looks like it's a direct mount. It doesn't have the tubes like we've seen in some of the other ones. Um, yeah, so it's just it's just a direct mount with a, a bracket that's attached to the fans. Um, so yeah, nice looking unit. Um, they're all in black. It's a the fans look a little bit different than um, the ones I've seen, which are typically, you know, like um, cooling fans, uh, PC cooling fans. These look a little look a little beefier. I'm not sure if they put out any more CFMs or not, though. Are you looking yeah, at? That's why I like it. Now, Mike, with the bracket they give you, how are you going to mount that to your rig? Yeah, I was just looking at that, and they do offer the hoses, Brian, uh, as an option, either red or blue, uh, in piece. But what I really attracts me to this is those fans. They look beefier than the normal computer fan, like the one I'm using, which really, you know, is kind of cute. But I would like it if it blew more air. But to the to your question, Donnie, I don't, you know, I would think that the mount would go on the upright uh, that you know that comes up to your wheelbase on either side. But that'd be pretty low. Yeah, I didn't do wind sim. I just put fans on, and they're industrial fans that I've got wired to a controller that I can flip on and off over here, and they blow pretty good. Well, they blow the airspeed pretty good, but I've never thought about doing it through the sim. Has anybody? I see there's DIY DIY builds for wind sims. Has anybody done that in our group? Well, yeah, that's what I have pretty much. Um, I got Kyle Pendigraph 3D printed the little uh, arm that the fan is attached to. But like I've talked about on the show before, it's kind of flimsy. One of them broke and we need to really redesign it. It's, it's too thin. Uh, and, and like I said, the fan itself is just a computer fan. It's nothing special. It, it doesn't blow a lot of air. So I actually sent this link to Kyle as an idea of, you know, can we DIY something like this, but pick a better product, a better fan? Now, as far as the electronics, uh, because of my eyesight isn't very good, Kyle actually put together the electronics for me too, which was just a little Arduino board, and you have to do some soldering uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, and then software is through SimHub. So, yeah, the... Um if you want to get the tubes, I saw that now. It's a $70 option. You get red and black. 
red and blue from my experience the tubes just kill it i mean any area you get it just diminishes a lot now maybe with these big fans the tubes would be okay but uh i really like the placement of where my fans are which are above the left and right monitor pointing down at a 45 degree angle um they're out of sight they don't have to try to mount them low blowing up they're blowing kind of down on me but if i could just replace those with these bigger units i would be happy i probably well speaking of happy how happy are you with your room well very happy actually um you know an update on that is after I got it, I was spinning it on the SemiCube Pro, and uh, I noticed it kind of was oblong. It was like, it wasn't a perfect circle. I'm like, is this thing defective? Is it bent? I sent you guys a video. I whipped out the, the tape measure, and I measured from the very center of the wheel to the top, and I measured from the center to the bottom, and they were off by a quarter inch. And so I sent the video to Max Pappas Industries and I asked them, hey, is this right? Is, what, what's up here? Do I have a defective wheel? And uh, I did get uh, an email back. It took them a little bit to get back to me, but they did. And I actually heard from like a vice president of uh, operations, Bobby O'Malley. And I do want to read to you. Um, what he told me he said i spoke with the technical team yes the wheel is designed like this with this offset it is done for ergonomically reason based on driver feedback from nascar so i don't have a defective wheel it's it's as designed and uh i don't know i think it i think the idea is the top is a quarter inch lower you can see over it and see the dash just a little bit better I, that's the only thing reason I can come up with it why it's like that. Yeah, mine's uh, just, the opposite. Is it now? What kind of wheel do you have? OMP wheel. I bought that um, a couple of years ago. wasn't too expensive, but yeah, mine's higher on the top side than the the bottom side. Justin, during the race, as I've been racing this wheel, I think you noted that my uh, tire percentages seem to be better already on this wheel <laughs> yeah um usually i got you beat on tire wear but pocono i think we were spot on we're matching if not you're a little better right and the only thing that's changed is the wheel right <laughs> so it must be uh, the bigger diameter wheels helping me not uh, scrub less tires sounds like i think somebody said that might happen yeah yeah david mentioned that would be a outcome but i love it uh in, in summary yeah it was 400 bucks at the end of the day that was a lot for a wheel but it is what i wanted it's what it meets all the the criteria i wanted the right color specifically uh, i never thought i would find one that's the right colors because it, it, they're just not out there and uh this one you know matches all those and yeah love it perfect all right, Justin, we have a big screen, big screen beyond VR review. Yeah, Mr. Will from Boosted Media reviews the ultra slim buy screen beyond VR. And I haven't watched much of this video, David, but I kind of skipped in the middle. This thing's tiny. 
Yeah, this is um, it's the big screen uh, beyond VR. Um, yeah, it's it is like a big pair of sunglasses almost compared to a typical VR, which is much much bigger. Um, but it doesn't sacrifice a ton of the um, uh, resolution that you might see in some of the um, you know. Compared to some of the um, newer VRs, like uh, the the Pimax Crystal or the uh, Vero, um, it's 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 just a little bit less than what they have. It's just a really good quality um, uh, resolution. Uh, it's better than HP Reverb G2 as far as resolution uh, pixels. Um, the only downside of it is if you if you don't have um, the base stations um, for the outside in tracking, you will need. Um, the base stations it just doesn't use inside out tracking so it doesn't have cameras basically on it a thousand dollars i believe it's a it's a pre-order deliveries begin in quarter three and you're not kidding when you say it's like big sunglasses okay this is the smallest vr i have ever seen in my life um you it shows pictures on their website at bigscreenvr.com of people wearing these with like uh you know like sony audio headset uh just for audio and and the headset just fits right over them and uh yeah there is a strap that goes around the back of your head but there's nothing really across the top of the head because it's not neat it's not neat yeah it kind of looks like the futuristic punk style like welding glasses you'd see in a movie like that um, not being a VR guy, I'm really indifferent, but uh, they look cool. They don't they don't look as big as all the other ones, like you're saying. They take uh, prescription lenses and that kind of thing, like the others. Like you can order the prescription lenses and all that. Exactly, and it doesn't come with controllers either. So you have to use basically the controllers, um, get get your own controllers for them, and and the base stations. So that if you don't have those, that is a pretty hefty price to pay addition uh, you know a, a big addition to the price of the headset if you don't have those things if you want controllers obviously if you're using uh if you're doing sim racing controllers aren't necessary you might need them for setup though if you want to uh use any kind of overlays you need at least one controller that's that's what i have to use to drop my dashboard in place every time yeah so it yeah it takes a display port and two usbs Pretty cool. I mean, this could be the future of uh, VR as far as uh, size goes. They've, you know, they've gotten really big with some of the older Pimax's headsets, which were huge. Um, even the Crystal's still pretty big. Um, HP and um, Vero are a little smaller, but I mean, this is like a quarter of the size of one of those. Right. Will Ford believes you're, what you just said, Brian. This is a, what he calls a VR game changer. Um, this is different than all the other VR products out there, just based on the size. If I was into getting into VR or needed VR, this would be on the top of the list, probably. Yeah, I, I might consider it when, when this reverb gives out, if it does. This is my second reverb, actually. The other one... Uh, I broke, basically broke it, dropped it at one point, and it had fallen apart because I used to put it over my headphones instead of under my headphones. But it is pretty I'm cool. I'm going to take this one, David, uh, because I've already talked about the AO Logs handbrake and shifter. We have a video from Lance Disosaw. I can't say that. 
he reviews the A-logs handbrake and shifter, kind of like a long-term review. As I stated before, I have the shifter, but not the handbrake. Uh, these things are beautiful. I mean, they're metal. The handle is metal. It, it, everything is rock solid. There's no play. It gives a nice definitive click as you shift it. It feels like you're shifting, you know. It's not too noisy. Uh, the handbrake, you know, it's like any other handbrake, but uh, it, it's built in a similar style as a shifter. Uh, looking at them together on the screen, uh, yeah, I mean, this is why I would buy two of them, even though I don't use a handbrake very much, because I love the look of it. I think they look great together. But, yeah, I did my research when I bought my shifter, and, uh, you know, I, I think this is the best one around. I still do. And so Lance, uh, the guy who did the video, he, he, yeah, he had a lot of good things to say about it. Uh, you know, these products are from Russia, as I mentioned before. And so I don't know if there's a, a challenge getting them. I think you can buy them through resellers in Europe, though. But when I purchased mine, well, before the Ukrainian war, uh, I was paying rubles, you know, Russian rubles via PayPal, you know. He was somewhere in Russia. Next up, we have a report from uh, the iRacing forums by DL Lemon, and he says that the most i the most recent iRacing force feedback update. If you click auto, it's automatically cutting VR SDF Pro from one hundred percent to fifty percent. So this, I guess, would specifically affect VRS wheel drive drivers. No, no, no. It's uh, any anybody who does the control A or you go to F9 and hit auto. Yeah, you brought this up to me, Mike, in practice the other night. And honestly, I was building a road set. It's like I heard every other word you were saying, but what is this? How do we effect, effectively go around this and go back to the old way? Or is there a way? Well, that's a trick question. So, so right now, what what he's done is when you used to do uh, F9 and hit auto, it would just set the force feedback for what was proper for that car on that track. And you had to run a couple laps before the auto button would come up. But based on what you have set in the, in the settings of the sim, as far as how big your, your motor is, like it's at 25 Newton meters, uh, it will set that number accordingly. Now, David Tucker, for whatever reason, in the last update, he changed that programming where when you hit auto, it basically does 50% of what it used to do. And so that's what this guy is reporting. And so it doesn't work how it used to because it doesn't set the, the, the force amount to what what I perceived as 100% of what it should be. Um, it sets it at roughly 50% of what it should be. Now, I think David was trying to accomplish some kind of safety aspects of some some kind. And so the fix is to go into the app INAI and find this value and change it from zero uh, or no, 0.5 to one. Uh, and that puts it basically back to the way it was before. Now, with that being said, David Tucker went on the forums and said this, I'm back from vacation and I'm checking in two fixes for releases to members. Uh, the other one replaces the auto force factor app INI setting with an intensity slider 
in the in sim option screen so you can tweak how the auto button will behave on the fly more or less a value of 100 will make the auto button behave how it did last season giving you 100 percent output and a value of zero percent will soften things up an underlying equation to blend between these two models is not optimal. I need to rework it, blah, blah, blah. So now he's going to add a slider into the F9 where you can set it between zero and 100% and then hit auto. So if you liked it the way it was before, you'll turn that slider to 100% and hit auto, basically. I don't get it, but uh, yeah, it definitely was different. And so I wanted to point this out for anybody who's uh, who was struggling with it like I was. All right, one more topic or hardware topic that this I guess it could be software. Yeah, um, Leah Noodle. She's tweeted that she's made a she tweeted that she made a TikTok AI voice lady spotter pack. Now, so I guess that's is that just for TikTok or is it actually usable in iRacing? No, she's talking about when you go to TikTok and you hear the AI voice that's pretty prevalent in a lot of these videos, she's using that voice as a spotter pack in iRacing. Oh. That's incredibly crazy, because that would annoy the hell out of me. I, that, I, I haven't changed the real robotic sounding one. I haven't changed from the default spotter pack in quite some time. Maybe this is my chance to try something different. You need to get the Jimmy Johnson pack if, if you haven't already done that. I can't get, get mine to work. You can get cursed at, yelled at, demeaned. It's great. Well, once you install it, Justin, you have to go into the sim settings and actually pick it from the drop-down menu under spot. I found it and everything in my file and got to that point. It just don't work. Maybe I'll bug you guys later. Help me out. I used to run the Jimmy Johnson's cuss pack but at some point it needed to be updated and they hadn't updated it and i was afraid i was missing spotter calls that had been added so then i reverted back to the original because of that it also just got stale after a while yeah i, I think i'm on the the default one right now as well i have so, my crew chief spotter turned up way louder now jimmy's been gone for a while and you know maybe it's time that we pick a different nascar driver to, to model a, a popular spotter pack off of. I mean, who would we pick? Kyle Bush. Well, you want to hear Freddy? Chief. It's got to be Bubba a Chiefs. Bubba's oh, Chief. yeah, that's right. Right. You'd be picking it for this crew chief at spotter, not for the driver necessarily. Yeah. I'd want I like uh, the Bubba and Yeah, either Bubba and Freddy or, or uh, Brett. Hearing Brett with anybody would be cool. He's intimidating. Now, isn't he like semi-retired or something? Yeah, pretty much. His he his spends more time doing the marketing side now. I wouldn't mind a proper TJ Major spotter pack. The iRacing one kind of sucks. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up uh, last week. Thursday fixed. Oh, Justin, you got a P33. Yeah, Mike. I I screwed up halfway through, and I was running on the outside too wide, and 
that guy did nothing wrong. I did everything wrong and smashed the wall and meatball. So I just hung her up. All right, moving on to Friday Open, New Hampshire. Yikes, I DQ'd out. Lap 56, I, I couldn't miss anything. So not only did I DQ out, I DQ'd out early, okay? I didn't even get towards the end of the race before I DQ'd out. I mean, that's how bad it was. And it wasn't like I was wrecking. It was like I couldn't miss anybody's wreck. Mike, it seemed like every 30 seconds you were like, oh, there's another 4X. There's another 4X. It was pretty wild. And it's been like that continuously for several races in a row, actually. So I can't seem to shake. Uh, David, you had a P something in top yeah, I had to look it up because it said P2, and that was definitely not correct. It was P25. It was top split, and I wasn't—I didn't have a good finish um, at any of the New Hampshire races. Um, there was a lot of dirty driving in this race, uh, and a couple of them, they really tried to take advantage of me. One guy who had gotten in, into trouble with somebody else, he's the number two car. He's got a high, high rating, so he expects to be just let go. And he dove down all the way across the apron trying to slide job and comes up in front of me off speed. I didn't lift. And he he, got, he ended up in the wall. I, he And he, he sent me a not, nice, a not so nice message and I sent one back through email saying that what he did was basically protestable because he left the racing service and came back up unsafely. I don't have to back off when somebody's diving on cutting across the apron, you know, and you can't lift in this car. You lose your momentum. So there's a lot of dirty racing P25, but um, don't try to pass somebody under the apron, pass them on the exit. Like you're supposed to. Tony Rochette P14. I hate New Hampshire. and will always hate this track. I don't remember what I did, how much, what I did that, how much this track sucks. Donnie P26. Yes, well, we all ran together, not in the same race, but um, I got 8X right off the back, so I went to the back. Um, I think 4X was was my fault. The rest of it was just like you were saying, Mike. And something about um, nobody being able to hold their brakes at this track, it just looked like it was slippery and nothing would hold. So every time anybody would lock up or go sideways, they you wouldn't know where they were going. But uh, didn't give me any confidence for Sunday. I like the set um, that I put together there, but I uh, didn't get a chance to race it Friday night. I was too nervous trying to preserve my uh, DQ, which I ended up getting. All right, and then Saturday fix, Justin, P6. Yeah, I had a little bit of luck finally. Uh, I ran with Mr. Tom. He always has good strategies. Um, I love running with Tom and Mike. They do all the strategy for me. I just have to drive. It makes it 10 times easier. But uh, yeah, the first half I got a 10X, no damage, frustrating. Made me angry. Um, but then again, I was on the outside and I spun out just a repeat of the last race. and. Still hung out in the back, uh, cycled to the front with Tom actually, and uh, yeah, had a five lap run at the end. I was started ninth and got to sixth, so I was, I wa I was happy. I was ecstatic. All right, nice run. Sunday open. Uh, David P. Rep. Yeah, a guy that I have had trouble with historically took us three wide on turn one and turned me. Uh, you know, didn't even get the race started. Car was never as good 
from the big from that point um and I was kind of struggling to stay around 20th and there was an there was an accident and I got into another guy who was also avoiding the accident because he got really sideways and, and I guessed wrong on where he was going to be all right and Donnie P9 yeah this was a much better race until it wasn't um my I qualified sixth uh, my strategy was to stay up front as front as possible I was running top five most of the race maybe top six um, and every time we'd have a caution, I stayed out. I didn't care. Uh, that eventually cycled me to the front on older tires. I didn't. I didn't think it was necessary to take tires at certain points, so that kept me out front. And then some, somewhere throughout the race, I think it was like it wasn't until like lap 80 before I got my first incident points for this race. Um, two cars in front of me were battling, bounced off the wall. I clipped one of them that were in front of me. And I kept going down the, the straightaway. It was great. Everything was fine. And as soon as I entered turn one, gave me a meatball. And the car was driving great. Um, it's frustrating. The incident points in relation to damage and in relation to the meatball seems kind of wompy sometimes. Um, but I was able to battle back from that uh, finish P9. Steven Llewellyn, teammate, was in the race. He won. He started uh, next to me. And uh, he ended up winning the race. It was a good run for him. He's back. Yeah, he'd been out for a while and now he's back with style winning when none of us uh, none of the rest of us can well done steven let's move on to poconono wednesday open i get ran a p17 ouch i was actually running fourth on the final green white checker and i got dive bomb on the restart and taken out moved to the rear of the pack p17 uh david you were wrecked yeah, I got wrecked on lap seven, and this guy just turned into me on the straight. He apologized and said he didn't realize how close we were to each other. And then you don't turn in the middle of the straight, if that's the case. Um, but he apologized. Mistakes happen. So, uh, and definitely, again, car just wasn't as good. Um, and I was trying to fight my way back up and just overdrove the car, trying to catch back up and spun it out and killed myself in that case. And by the way, why do people think they can side draft down the street of Pocono? I mean, does it really do anything? I don't think it helps at all. It slows the other car down. But like, uh, what happens is you get wrecked like you did. All right, Justin, it's, it's, Sorry, I was going to say, it's, it's getting pretty frustrating. I'm just getting tired of, of all the dirty racing. It's, it's just absolutely dirty up there. All right, Justin, you uh, ran in my race, but you got a P28 after a rage quit. Yeah, another one. Uh, what Me and you ran in the top 10 most of the race, a good, good portion of the race. Uh, I think it was five, six laps ago. We take a final restart. What well, I think I'm lined up six, maybe. And yeah, some guy dove bomb you. I was... We were four wide in that turn, and I was completely on the outside. I bet you I had two car width from the guy that came across your nose, and yeah, there she went. I had zero X till then. That's my first clean race in a while. Yeah, it's. I'm kind of with David. It's. I'm racing in 2600 IR. Uh, you guys ain't that good. Quit side draft. Quit trying fancy stuff. Just complete the race. Sorry, ran over. <laughs> Well, you know, I heard David Green 
uh, is putting out a letter to all the NASCAR drivers this week about restarts, and, and you can't lay back on the restarts. And I told our group, we need this in iRacing because that's how Justin got wrecked, was the guy behind me was laying back two, three car lengths. He got a jump on me. I had to hold the middle and he, you know, and, and then the, everyone took advantage, you know, of the situation. And so if if that guy hadn't jumped the restart, Justin wouldn't have been wrecked, you know, and and I, we really got to clean that up. I was saying iRacing needs to program it where if you're laying back more than two car lengths, you're getting this black flag warning or something. It is protestable, but there's just not for stuff like this there's not a whole lot of teeth to it they're not they're gonna have to do it many 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 times before they before they see any kind of consequence well here's your intermediate band then david if they can come up with something like that but with computer i'm sure there's a way they can now that we have the restart zone mic with the miles per hour and whatnot there's got to be a way they could figure that out with spacing and are you going the right speed uh, is your delta good enough between you and the car in front to, to be able to manage that but do we want to? We have a lot of things to look at on our screens. Then we got to start managing distance and and miles per hour. But I guess it's hard. You just you just get get behind the car in front of you. That is true. Yeah. I I like Donnie's idea in the chat. Just green go. Keep it simple. I mean, yeah. I was more referring to the front guys as, as opposed to having the who I was. I was actually thinking of the real life race with the the bush race this weekend where they were kind of playing a little bit of games there or they weren't who who knows but uh yeah that, back in the day they just used to wave the green flag and they'd go all right uh one of our new teammates chris waldron uh ran with us he got a p18 he said we have a new seven week old baby racer at home not getting much seat time and it showed steve lou allen wrecked out tom he got like a p18 Tyler Williamson, P27, caught in a wreck on lap one as the dive bombing began early, regrouped and fixed the car, had a great set as the team made a few adjustments. Shout out to Kyle on the main set and Joe with the in-race adjustment. Car was wicked fast and fun to drive. Contact possibly a net code on white to put my top 15 car back in 27th. Frustrated with the result, but was good to be fast. And then Joe Owen ran with us. I don't know where he finished. Sounds like Pocono's kicking some ass this week. Let's move on to Thursday Open. David, P15, top split. Yeah, this is definitely an up and down race. Uh, kind of early in the middle of the race, there was a near a near wreck or two that didn't cause a caution. In fact, I think nobody actually ended up wrecking. There was just like five or six cars that, you know, were, were turned the wrong direction and then got back the right direction. I slowed up. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people just went through. Um, and then as I'm kind of catching back up to one of the packs, I have a guy also come down across my nose and it knocks me loose instead of him. So I fall back to 30th place and then, and, am not going to catch back up un until uh you know there's caution well there is a caution uh work my way up there's a there's another wreck i'm running about 20th there's another wreck where there's a wreck here a wreck there four different wrecks happened kind of and it didn't bring a caution out until the last one so nobody's at this point going to stop and neither did I. And I, I hit somebody and got sideways, got a little bit of damage, but it took out a lot of other cars. 
I didn't fix the damage. I just stayed out and picked picked up another spot and had another nice little evasive move at the end where a couple of guys wrecked come to the line and actually brought it home 15th. And I want to know what I said that got Donnie running. I scrolled down to the title ideas. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I ran and uh, man, I was actually running good. I was top 10, top five, that kind of thing. I was getting the incidents. I think it was, they were adding up, um, but it wasn't my incidents. But I was running fifth with 12 to go, and we were gonna hit for tires, maybe. I think we had a 15 lap run, or was maybe 12 to go, we weren't sure if we were gonna get tires or not. And so I was saying, I'm gonna do what the leaders are gonna do. So we we approach pit road, the leaders start going towards pit road. I'm like, okay, we're pitting. And as we get there, two of them peel back to the track at the last second. I'm sitting there in fourth or fifth. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 which way am I going? And I hit the freaking barrel. I ran into the barrel. I had. 30 seconds required, four and a half minutes optional. I have never been so embarrassed that I damaged my car like that under caution. Uh, I had a, a car capable of winning the race. I still uh, I have you believe. beat. I still have you beat at Pocono for embarrassing moments. The what new happened? guys may not. The new guys may not remember this one. This one made it onto iRacing's Instagram. Uh, I was pacing and staying to the right all the way where the cones are and kind of watching to the left and suddenly I drive into the scoring pylon. I think it was this time last year. It was either last year or two years ago. It was on the newest yeah, track. It kind of narrows. Yeah, the, the pit road well, narrows there. Yeah, it narrows because that's not part of pit road and, and so it there's an inlet where the scoring pylon is and the wall moves. So I got to be... Anyway, frustrated. I had a good finish going. I really needed it. I had lost the points lead to Tom because of New Hampshire. Needed a good finish. I thought I was there, and then I ran myself into the barrels. Now, before that, I want to talk about a green flag stop that was happening. Uh, the leaders start peeling off short pitting, and I'm, I'm asking David, what do, what do I do here? Should I run it out of fuel and wait for the caution? And David, you're like, no, short pit this thing like it's a road course, like a road course. It worked though. I mean, I short pitted uh, with some of the other leaders. Uh, sure enough, the caution came out right after I came off pit road. But uh, somehow, some way, I ended up in six on the research. Well, that's because on the road courses, if you don't you know you're not going to need the tires, you, you want to be the first to pit last. So now you're out in front because the people who didn't pit had to pit under caution and you just stay out and you're right, you got the track position back. Um, so what have we learned here? I, t I told you I was going to make you say this on the show. Always follow David Hall's pit, pit lane advice. Do I, do, I mean, nobody gets it right every time, but, but, but usually I feel like I've, 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 I win the coin toss more than I lose it. Yeah, it was the right call. Because imagine if I didn't pit and that caution came out, I would have had to pit under the caution. And then, like you said, all these people would have cycled to the front and I would have been behind them. And so I would have lost the track position. All right. And then Tony Rochette ran with us today. 
he got out of work early. P16 for him. He said, been a while since I raced on a Thursday. Unlike my dominant win last year in the Dorito-shaped track today, I was getting slammed, bammed, and shammed the whole race. Was running ninth on the white when the guys wanted to wreck on the back, and I got ran over. I have never thought of that. Doritos needs to sponsor Pocono. Are you guys shifting in turn one and turn three, or just turn one? All three. All three, three in the short show, Owen. Yeah, Joe was on yes last night when we were practicing, and it, it helped us all gain some speed. All right, final thoughts, David Hall. I kind of already said him. I'm I'm getting really irritated with with the dirty driving, and you you really shouldn't you really shouldn't be able to do that on iRacing as much. And they talk about even in the real racing that it, it's infuriating if you're not allowed to do anything about it. You know, and y'all were all dissing on Verstappen, but if you've got people just constantly knocking you around and you're not allowed to do anything about it, it gets pretty irritating at some point. And there's a difference between the occasional mistake and somebody who does that, wrecks me on lap one, gets yelled at literally five laps later by somebody else for making another stupid move. And they just let them stay out there and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't, it's, you can't give them the Ross Chastain treatment in person, you know? So there needs to be some other kind of way to deal with repeat offenders of these, of these just dirty driving. All right. Uh, Brian McCubbin, final thought. Um, not a whole lot going on here. I just, uh, had uh got some racing in this past weekend but it was nothing to ray home about um but looking forward to pocono i do like pocono so it's a weird track but i've always thought it was fun so um and uh one last thing is i want to congratulate uh tyler williamson our teammate who uh who did the race last week for the firecracker uh he did did some had some good runs going on he uh, got wrecked in the uh, qualifier uh, advanced through the lcq um and then had some more trouble in the uh in the feature so he didn't he didn't qualify to the final event but um he he represented himself really well um did a great job uh he couldn't say say enough about how how much bobby jonas did for uh, not just uh painting his car but for spotting him so uh thanks to bobby for uh, teammate bobby jonas to, for helping out with with tyler too so uh congratulations tyler tyler um and uh you know he's like you're running this with me next year so i guess that's what i'm doing next year all right yeah well done tyler all right, Justin, final thought. Uh, not much. Just looking for a clean, solid run on NIS and just uh, a little good luck streak going from now on. I haven't had luck at all, so I'm just waiting. I'm just grinding, putting my time in. Yeah, you know, we had such a good run, you and I, on Wednesday night. Like, we, I think you and I pitted early because we, we were in a window where we could do it on one more in case it went green. We ended up in the back, but... I was kind of panicked, but you weren't, and we were like, next thing you know, we were back up to the front, and and we were like, we were on a rail. We were we were in position to run well if we didn't get caught up in crap. All right, Donnie Spiker, final thought. Yeah, I hadn't raced uh, much the last week. I just raced those two uh, New Hampshire starts, but to echo Brian, it was super cool watching Tyler uh, in that race. And I, uh, will do as much as I can to race it next year. The time starts and we're a little, little hard out here 
but definitely look fun. I'll give that a go. And excited for Pocono. Um, and I think I just tested maybe Monday or Tuesday night, and I'll do some more tonight, and then hopefully I get in the race tomorrow. And hopefully it's nothing like last week. That's what I hope. Okay, my final thoughts. Uh, man, I love my Max Pappas wheel. I've always wanted a Max Pappas wheel, and when I built this rig, the whole uh, spark of it was a Max Pappas uh, seat to go with the wheel. And uh, I didn't end up with that Max Pappas seat, but I eventually ended up with the wheel after the fact, but I uh, can't say how much I love it. It's so lightweight. Uh, it's so big. Uh, it's such a pleasure to hold and, and use in the races I've run so far. So um, couldn't think of a better wheel I would want. So um, thinking about maybe can I get a push to talk somewhere on it, you know, easily without crazy wires that's kind of the next thing i'm going to kind of look into but not a big uh concern about that um other than that hey we'll see you on the track thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast make sure you go to subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter see you on the track